Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So this week, we're going we're gonna to jump into a new series. I'm going to kind of do an intro, talk about it a little bit next week. We'll have Pastor Luna here and then... The month of October, we're going to start hitting this topic. And man, it is one of my most favorite topics to, to preach about and to talk about. But it is also, in my opinion, one of the most difficult things to talk about because th- there's so much content. There's so many things that you can talk about. Uh, but answering the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Okay. Now, some of you say, oh, well, I know who he is. Well, do you know who God is? Can you explain him to me? Do you know every facet of who he is? Well, uh, I, I know God in, our, in just a small fraction of, of how we know him, right? So we have to understand that, you know, just as vast as God is and trying to understand how to explain him and how, how to introduce him to you, it's, it's almost just as difficult explaining the Holy Spirit because we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is God. He has the exact same nature. He has the exact same thoughts, the opinions, the way he governs. Everything is connected with God. So in essence, when we talk about who is the Holy Spirit, we are trying to kind of explain to you who is God, right? So what we hope to do in, the, in, this, in this series is kind of paint the picture of who is God, who is Jesus, but then focusing on who is the Holy Spirit. Because all of us can say, hey, I know who God is. If I ask you, who is Jesus Christ? That's an easy one, right? I hope that we can say, hey, man, he's, you know, the son of God. He died on the cross for our sins. You know, we, we, can, we, can, we can shoot off all of the textbooks and answers in regards to who Jesus is. And then sometimes, you know, we, we, we ask the same question about the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, he's, um, well, he's kind of like God and... Um, he, he came after Jesus and, you know, but I don't really know what he did before Jesus came. I hope to answer a lot of those questions for you. Because at face value, it looks very simple. But then when you start digging into scripture, it gets so vast. You know, it's like, it's like showing you a diamond this morning, right? I can, I can in this light, I could, I could show you and you could see one glimpse of what it looks like. But if I, if I turn it just so slightly, you begin to see another glimpse and all of these characteristics, all of these things, when we look at the nature of who the Holy Spirit is, they are, he is an awesome person, and he, is, he, he was gifted to us for, for our benefit in this life. Okay, so that's one of the things that I really want to look at. So as we go through these next few weeks, we're going to talk about the importance of the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, how he desires uh, to be functioning in our lives. You heard that in our lives, not just, hey, in the Bible or not just in that guy's life, but in my life personally, how he functions. You know, today we're going to do a brief intro, you know, uh, about the upcoming study. You know, we're going to and we're going to look at the word to help us answer the question of uh, is the Holy Spirit a person? If today we leave this room and, and you agree that he is a person, I have succeeded because that is the first step. We have to realize who the, when we understand who the Holy Spirit is, if we see the Holy Spirit as a person, it changes the whole perspective. Because let's say, you know, let's say we thought that the Holy Spirit was a tool. How many men have a tool in the shed that sits and collects dust and you have it just in case you do that project, but you never use it? Every man in here, right? Probably. 
So what's that? It stays there. It's not plugged in. It's not using it's It's not being used for its intended purpose. It sits there and it collects dust. Would we ever put a person in that configuration? We would not or we'd go to jail. Right. Think about that. We would never do that. But so if we think of, of the Holy Spirit as a tool, something we use at our discretion when we need it, we tend to put it on the shelf when we need it. We have it, but we don't use it any other time. But when we see the Holy Spirit as a person, that means living, breathing, spirit, mind, will, emotion. It has feelings. He can be he can be angered. He can be hurt. All of these. It changes everything. When we have that understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. So when we think about the Holy Spirit, what do we think about? Ask yourself those questions, right? You know, is he a mystical, strange part of God? You know, we th think about it. What is your perception of who the Holy Spirit is? You know, have you ever considered the importance of the Holy Spirit's role in the Trinity? So the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. They are all together God and, and connected, but they operate slightly different by their functions, Okay, but they're all together. They're all mashed together. Okay, forming one person, one God. Okay, so, so, the, so the Holy Spirit is God, and He is a real person. So he, He's pictured in Scripture as a person separate and distinct from both the Father and the Son. So you're going to see in Scripture where it separates the three. It's not that God is the Spirit, the Spirit is God. And man, it separates where if you, had, if you had God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit sitting here this morning with us, you would have three different people, but yet they function, and they all sit in one specific pew. They all function together as one, but three separate people with different functions, with different purposes. Let's look at John 14, 16 through 17. And this, this is going to kind of be the core scripture that kind of kicks us off looking into this. So John 14, 16 through 7, it says, and I will ask the father. So this is Jesus speaking. And he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. And then he gives the title and right at the beginning of, of verse 17, it says the spirit of truth. So how many people are in this converse, in this one in this one short passage? He says, I am going to talk to my father who is God, but yet Jesus is speaking and he says, I'm going to give you a, another counselor. He wasn't saying, I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to come back. No, he says, I'm going to give you another counselor because what was Jesus to all of the disciples? He was a counselor. He was the good shepherd. He was with them presently, but he was saying, I am going to give you another counselor. So we can look at that and we can assume based on that context Jesus wasn't saying, I am going to come back, but I'm going to send somebody else who is just like me. I'm going to ask the Father, and he was going to send who? The Holy Spirit. That's who he was talking about. And we're going to break that down a little bit later in some of the other series, what the word counselor means, you know, and it gives us kind of more understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. But he says, I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you for how long? Forever. So this doesn't mean that just for a moment, just for when I need them, when it's convenient, forever. Once, the, once that the gift of the Holy Spirit is released in your life and given, it is there forever. That is God's intended purpose. Jesus said, I will give you the Holy Spirit, okay, known as the Spirit of truth. So every time that we see the word the Spirit, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. Every, almost every time in Scripture, it's going to be a capital S also for all of you English majors, Names, titles, they're always capital, right? 
So if it wasn't referring to a person, the Holy Spirit or the Spirit, we could possibly use a lowercase s. But in this passage, it says the Spirit, capital S, of truth. Now, we know the whole picture, but I'm just really trying to build the context to make sure we are all understanding, you know, of the significance of the Holy Spirit. You know, so we're pretty familiar with the roles of God, the Father, God, the Son. But when we think about God, the Spirit, do we see this person as essential for our spiritual lives? Yes, no, answer that question for yourself. Do you see the Holy Spirit as essential? Some of you are like, no, man, Jesus, me and Jesus are good. We're buddies. That's all I need. Me and Jesus got it going on. Now, some of you may say, man, yeah, Jesus did a great thing, but he sent me the Holy Spirit, and now I can't live without him because we understand the person of the Holy Spirit. There was more to the picture, okay? So is it significant in your life? Is it something that, we, that, we, that is essential for our spiritual lives? So let's start off by looking at the Scripture and seeing the first time uh, the Spirit of God is referenced in the Bible, right? Because, you know, if, if God was the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can guarantee you that Jesus is what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. And also the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if they all were together, there should be multiple scriptures throughout the time of the beginning to the end that we see the Holy Spirit in action. So let's go, right? Genesis 1. God didn't waste no time starting to paint the picture. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everybody knows that, right? On the first day, he created this. Second day, he created this. But we might miss this one little small nugget in verse 2 because we're, you know, we usually focus on the creation, what God has done, how he did it, all that good stuff, right? Verse 2, it says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. All right, get this next part. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Capital S. So we're starting to paint the picture. Even before time began, there was God, there was Jesus, and there was the Holy Spirit. This isn't something that right when Jesus died, all of a sudden he says, all right, let's work this out and send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always existed. He was the spirit form of God. And it says that he hovered over the face of the, the waters. I don't know what he was looking for. I know he said, hey, let's build right here. I don't know. We don't know that, but we know that from Scripture, it says that he was there. Before the world began, if we look at John 1, 1 through 3, you guys have heard this. I referenced it uh, last week. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Every time we see the Word, that's in reference to Jesus. Okay, I'm not going to make you think on all this. We're just going to paint the context, right? It says, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God. So we have Jesus in the picture. We have God in the picture, right? And the Word was God. He was, he was with God in the beginning, when is the beginning? Before the earth was there. Before when, the, when, when it was dark, when there was no creation yet. So we have God and the Holy Spirit who was hovering over the face of the earth with God in the beginning. But then we also have Jesus in that same picture with God. So if Jesus was with God and the Holy Spirit was with God, you think they were all three present? Amen. Absolutely. That's, that's what I'm trying to communicate to you, that they were all together. They were all there. Okay. And then it goes on to say, verse 3, it says, and this is talking about uh, Jesus. And this is a huge point 
This really spoke to me this week. It says, Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. So this is what this means. Jesus was the divine agent who was responsible for the entire creation. God has a good way of using what He has. God could have done whatever He wanted absent of the Son and the Spirit. But he designed by specific purpose to give certain responsibilities to the Son and certain responsibilities to the Spirit. Why? Because God is cool like that and he can do whatever he wants. But this just shows relationship. This shows, man, you know, hey, I'm not going to do everything even though I can. Let's use Jesus. Let's use the Holy Spirit. Let's all work together. It kind of sounds like what he wants us to do in this lifetime, right? He wants us all as a team working together, a fellowship of believers working in relationship. But he gave each of them a specific authority and then they had, they had the opportunity to function in that or not. I thank God that they all did. Because what does it say? It says, through him all things were made. So if Jesus wouldn't have said, yeah, God, let's make that creation, you wouldn't be here today. Let's build this, let's build this earth, let's put it together without, he, he created all of it. He was the authority by which it happened. Think about that, because we always say, well, God made through Jesus. He, he, he produced life. He caused things to be. With him, nothing was made that has been made. This is Jesus. And then in that verse 14, the word, the word who is Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John 17, 5, it says, this, this is something that Jesus was saying also. He says, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So this was, this was, you know, this was towards the end. He was saying, Lord, take me back to that position, that place that I had with you in glory. When? Before the world began. So we go back to the beginning. Jesus was going back to his rightful place. He wasn't taking a position that he wasn't given. Jesus always had the, the, the sitting at the right hand of God. It wasn't like he just showed up and said, well, hey, get out of his seat. Jesus is here now. He has always had that place of authority. But yet he chose to, to remove himself from that, that, uh, that throne and come to a world full of humility and became human for the sake of mankind. So we see this, but he says, hey, re return to me, you know, I, the, the glory that I had previously. Because God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus were all together at the beginning. So all of these scriptures point to three persons of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can assume what the other two are also. Their character, their nature, their roles, their responsibilities shouldn't change over the course of time. They should be very consistent throughout the entire gamut of the Bible. You know, we tend to sometimes see God different in the Old Testament than the New Testament, right? I mean, I have. I know growing up before I really looked at the context as far as what they were responsible for doing and, and how this all works that, man, I, I read stories in the Old Testament. It feels like God is way meaner in the Old Testament than he is in the New Testament, Causing a flood to kill the whole world? E. That's the God we serve? Yeah. Thank God he promised to never do that again if you read your word. Right? You know, but we have to read, we have to read all of it. 
But God did that. You know, and, you know, and I think that's where the, the, sometimes the struggle is, man, trusting in this God can, that they can do whatever he wants. That's a scary thing, right? Because what does that do? That completely takes you out of control of the whole equation. And we're power people, right? If I'm in control, if I have control of my life, I'm okay. But those moments that I can no longer control, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And that's why sometimes a lot of us have a lot of issues with faith. Because it's believing in something that is out of your control. It's something that you cannot necessarily see, but that you put your hope and trust in. But we have to understand the nature of who God is. That God is a good God, that he loves us, that he doesn't make the wrong decisions. Now, sometimes in the Bible, I feel like, man, God woke up and he had a bad day. Don't believe me, read some of the stuff in the Old Testament. I mean, that's just, that's just how I feel. But I have to understand that the nature is good, that God did things for a specific purpose. Okay? So before we get too far ahead and, and we start looking at the Holy Spirit today, I, I want to look in reference in the Old Testament because some people might say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit really didn't do anything in the Old Testament. He was only present, you know, from Jesus' time on. And I feel like as a church and in the generation we live in because we are living in that moment to where the Holy Spirit is available to all of us, we don't tend to look back and see what happened in the Old Testament before Jesus came and the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. But as we look at these scriptures, I can guarantee you that the Holy Spirit was involved in every process throughout the beginning of time to the present. So we're going to look at some of those scriptures this morning. And we have to understand that every time the Holy Spirit shows up, power is released. You guys remember that statement because you will see that consistent trend every single time the Holy Spirit shows up. So let's look at the life of Moses, Numbers eleven twenty-five. So this is in the New King James Version, okay? So we're going to look at Numbers eleven twenty-five. It says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him. So this is God coming down, and he took of the Spirit that was up on him. So all in the Old Testament, you're going to see where the Holy Spirit came up on it came for him. It was, it was kind of like for a moment, for a specific purpose. There was always a specific plan that God was trying to accomplish as his, as his spirit came up on people. Okay? So that's going to be another consistent trend. So it says, and he took the spirit that was up on him. So this is talking about Moses. Okay? So check this out. There was a, the spirit was up on Moses, and it says, and he placed the same upon the 70 elders. So he took the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit that was upon Moses, and he gave it to the 70 elders. Okay? And it happened... When the Spirit rested upon them, so we see this resting, it's almost like, I guess the biggest difference is, is in, the, in the Old Testament, you kind of see the Holy Spirit come down, and the Holy Spirit comes, and it rests. And then once, once, it, once it removes itself from it, the, it's kind of like, man, it's gone. What's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? We're going to get there, but the difference, instead of it just resting, now something has changed to where it no longer rests, but it dwells. But I want us to see the value of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament because we are going to see a consistent strand throughout all the time of history. Okay, so it rested on them. And look what happened. Remember, every time the Holy Spirit comes, power is released. It says, when the Spirit rested on them, that they begin to prophesy. Now, Old Testament, this is a weird thing. This does not happen all the time. What do you mean, you know, the, the Holy Spirit came on them and they begin to prophesy? 
Every time the Holy Spirit comes even upon, even for a moment, power is released. So they begin to prophesy. And then look at the end of that passage. It says, although they never did so again. Now that part will throw you because you're like, what do you mean? So it happened once for just a moment? Absolutely. It happened one time. There was just a resting. They begin to prophesy and it never happened again. Perhaps there was just this momentary, you know, where the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit just touched them and then it was removed or whatever happened, but it performed a work. It caused them to, to activate into the, to the service that God was asking them to do. Yes, it transformed them, transformed them, but the Holy Spirit is, he always makes his presence known. You know, that's why some people say, well, I've received the Holy Spirit. And if you don't see any power released in your life, I might beg to differ. Because every time in Scripture that the Holy Spirit releases himself, power is released. You sure? Absolutely. I've tried, I've tried to study the best I can, you know, figuring out, is this a consistent thing? It absolutely is. Power is always released. So if we go back to verse 17, because this kind of adds a little bit of structure to that same passage. Numbers 11, 17. If you guys are getting hammered with a lot of it, just write these scriptures down, go back and look at them. But verse 17, it says, it says, and this is what Jesus or God told them before all this happened. He says, I will come down and talk with you there. I will take the spirit that is up on you and will put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. So what happened? That passion, that desire for people, that pastoral heart, I'm assuming, because if Moses put up with that many people for that long, he has to have a pastoral heart. And the pastor said, amen. Because if you don't love people and you don't love God, you can't be a pastor. So I believe Moses had this passion for people and what he did, that moment that the Holy Spirit came upon them, they had that same burning passion that, that Moses had and then they were able to minister to the, to the body of Christ. That same desire, that same heart, that's the only thing that I can connect as far as what happened. But we can believe that it was a completed work. So we have, we have to understand that, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, he, he rested on kings, he rested on priests, you know, specific chosen people. You know, but he wasn't available across the board to where, man, the Holy Spirit lives in me, the Holy Spirit lives in you, the Holy Spirit lives... Man, it was like he could only be at one place at one time and he would place his mantle of his authority and, and his Holy Spirit would rest on somebody and, and, then, and then it would be removed or it would be transferred. Oh, really? Yeah, let's look at a passage. Let's look at David's life, 1 Samuel 16, 13 through 14. So it talks about in verse 13, it, this is where Samuel anoints David. He says, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And listen to this. And from that day on, the spirit, capital S, of the Lord came upon David in power. So then Samuel went to Ramah, verse 14. Now look at this. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. So there was a moment in Saul's life where that the Holy Spirit rested on him. What we see in this passage, what happens? The Holy Spirit leaves. You know, now, I mean, much, le and I think the only thing worse than that, he didn't only take the Spirit of the Lord from him, he tormented him with a godly spirit. It's one of those moments you're like, God woke up and he had a bad day. 
He did not just take the Holy Spirit from him. He said that he sent an evil spirit from the Lord to torment him. That's the, the ultimate praying never happens to you, right? Like type moment. The spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. And I feel like at that moment, I feel like at that moment, you feel like you lost everything. So let's keep looking at the heart of David, Psalms 51, 11. This was David's heart, you know, because he had been, he had been gifted, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit had, had rested on him. It says, from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. It was upon him. So that, that hand of, of the Holy Spirit was continually resting on David. Psalms 51, 11, it says, do not cast me from your presence, or look what he says, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Perhaps David understood because he saw, in, he saw in Saul's life that the Holy Spirit could be given and the Holy Spirit could be taken. That's a scary thing because he, I don't know if he saw that or he, you know, he realized that, that hey, this, this, this uponness of the Holy Spirit is no longer on Saul and it is resting on me. And there was that, that hidden fear of, man, this thing, I have to be super careful because just like it's given, it can be removed. During David's life, we see a desperate cry for God not to take his Holy Spirit from, from him. Let's look at one more passage in, in, the, in the Old Testament. Judges 13, 24 through 25 in the life of Samson. Okay? You guys have ever heard, read the story of Samson? Who has never read it? I was showing Samuel some stuff. You've never read it? It's in the, it's in the book of, of Judges. So it, it starts right there in verse 13. That's where it starts the birth of Samson. But Samson did some awesome stuff. I'll give you a quick little, little, little story of Samson's life. So he, he, uh, he shared a, um, what was it, Where a, uh, a riddle with the guys. He said, hey, here's this riddle, blah, blah, blah. If you can figure it out, then I'll go get you 30 robes and 30 something else. Well, his wife tricks him. They tell him the riddle. So he goes and he kills 30 of their people, steals their robes and gives it to them under, the, under the, the spirit of the Lord and the power of the Lord resting on him. Right. You know, the, you know, I was telling I was telling my son this. I was like, have you ever heard that Samuel? And he's like, no. I said, read this passage. You guys ever heard what he did to, fo- to the to the 300 foxes? He caught 300 foxes. Okay, you got to be under the unction of the Holy Spirit or something to catch more than five foxes. But he caught 300 foxes, and he didn't just catch them. He said that he tied their tails together and put a torch in the middle, and he released them, and they burned all the, all the crops in the middle of the night. Go catch one fox, and then we'll talk about it. If you need the Holy Spirit power in your life to do that. So we see, we see in his life the Holy Spirit power being released throughout his life. So in verse uh, 24 and 25 of chapter 13, so this is how it all starts. It says, the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. And this is where it all starts. It says, he grew and the Lord blessed him. So Samson was set apart from birth with a specific plan to begin, to begin that process of redeeming his people. Verse 25, it says, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. And I think we all can kind of relate to that, right? That's kind of sometimes how it happens. The Spirit of the Lord begins to stir us in the things of who He is, right? So there was something that, that, that you know, and I don't know if that was just like a, you know, God was showing Himself by His Spirit just every now and then. Is that how He was stirring Him? How was that happening? I don't know, but it says that He was stirred. You know, when we look at uh, Judges 14, 19, 
1514. Write that down and I'm going to quote these just real quick. Judges 14, 19 and 15, 14. So in, in both of these instances, it says that the Lord came upon him in power. So that 1419, that's the story about when he struck down the 30 and he took their clothes. And then on in that 1514, there's one more story about him. It says that, you know, they had him bound and they were taking him. They didn't know that Samson was this super empowered by the Holy Spirit, strong guy. So it says that he broke those freshly new ropes. He broke them and he picked up the jawbone of a donkey. Everybody knows what that is, the bone, the, jo the bottom jawbone of a donkey. And he killed a thousand men, all as the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. One to a thousand. This is not just normal. The Spirit of the Lord released power. When, when it rested on Samson, we saw him break chains. If you continue to read that story, read, read the whole story of Samson. You will see the power of God continually released and power released. Every single time. And you're like, well, how was he doing it? It wasn't his own strength. It was the Spirit of God being released in power in his life. We see this over and over and over again. So the, the Holy Spirit has been around since the beginning of the world. He's always been present. We have to realize that. You know, he's always functioned as a giver of the spiritual gifts that release power to the receiver. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. The Holy Spirit, he's always been known as the giver of supernatural gifts that release power to the receiver. Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter which way you want to look at it. He always releases power to the receiver. So notice through this whole message, you have heard me say he. You haven't heard me say it. You know, and, and, and I've, I've heard that a lot, you know, in church life or just people, you know, uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, I, I, I can't even say it like normally without like he, the Holy Spirit, like it helps me be all that I can be like I, it's, it's difficult because my mindset is so focused on seeing the Holy Spirit as a person, not an it or not a tool. You know, that was one thing that uh, my wife was uh, talking to me about when, when I was preparing for this message. She, she overheard somebody say that and we see the, the Holy Well, the Holy Spirit is a tool. And immediately, the, the spirit within me is kind of grieved because I'm like, oh, man, he, he, first and foremost, is so much more than that. But you diminish him to a it or a tool, and therefore, you grieve or you hurt or you infuriate the Holy Spirit. You know, it, you know it'd be like me being a full-grown man calling me a little kid. I laugh about it all the time, but I remember growing up, I used to have huge anger issues. And that was the one thing that would tick me off the older I got and the more mature I got. If you called me a little kid or you told me you were acting like a little kid, that was the ultimate low blow. That would just tick me off. And I'd be like, oh, really? Let me show you. And then I would act like a kid, right? In my immaturity state. But I think that's what it feels like when we don't see the Holy Spirit as a person and we diminish him to an it or a thing or a tool or something that you're there when I need you. And I, I, don't, I don't see you as a, as a person that, that walks right alongside of me day to day. But through all of these passages, he, capital S, we see all of these things in reference to that he is a person. Right? We have to understand, you know, that the, that the, that the Holy Spirit is God 
and he is a real living person. Today, the power of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's available to you and to me. So we're going to get a little bit now to where we are today. Okay? So Acts 2, when we look at, the, at verse 17, it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on all people. Okay, so so this this is what this is what happens. You know, we, we see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's different. There is no longer just a resting, but there is an imparting into our lives where it's not just a thing where he rests, but but the Holy Spirit now has ec- access to to dwell within us. Man, this is a major shift, something that, that the Holy Spirit is available to us 24 seven. You're like, really? He doesn't get tired of us. Nope, that's the way God made him. Thank God. As you think about it, if the Holy Spirit is always with you, how many times throughout our life do you think the Holy Spirit had the chance, if he's walking with us, if he's with us, if he lives within us, walking with us, he sees what we see. He hears what we hear. He hears what we say. How many times do you think the Holy Spirit had the chance to sit there, kind of shake his head and say, good luck, brother, and walk off? And he might take a lap. I don't know. If he can be grieved and we're being stupid enough, he might say, all right, buddy, I'll be back. Let you flounder. And then you're like, Holy Spirit, don't, don't leave me. Come back. I need help. And he's like, big dummy. I'm right here with you. I could have rescued you or redeemed you from anything you're going through, but yet you, you deny my presence within you. You do not realize that I see what you see, that I hear what you hear. You know, I always, you know, I've had a lot of counselors, different things like that tell you. It's like, would you watch the things you watch if Jesus was sitting right there with you? You see, sitting there, and you know, you're flipping, and then you get something, you flip faster, you try to like, you might have seen that, you know, like, that he is right there with us. You know, and I think, Sometimes we ask the question, well, man, if somebody was there, it, maybe if I had an accountability partner that was sitting there with me all the time, maybe I could, I could act right. Well, guess what? You do. He sees what you see. He hears what you hear. He goes where you go. But he's a person. He can get grieved. He can get frustrated. I think he can get infuriated with us in our own stupidity, Right? says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. If we go down to verse 33, so this is talking about Jesus. It says that once he is exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father. So this is what happened. Jesus sits at the right hand of God. He receives from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And it it says that the Holy Spirit has been poured out. This is now what you see and hear. So Jesus took from the Father the Holy Spirit and gave it to us. What is it talking about seeing and hearing? All through the Scripture, it talks about speaking with other tongues. It talks about, hey, you're filled, and they, they prophesy. There was some, when the Holy Spirit shows up, what happens? Power is released. Something happens. There is always evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence when he shows up. Acts 19, 1 through 7. Let's turn to that and look at that passage real quick. Acts 19, 1 through 7. And this may be where some of you are today. Uh, You know, you might say, hey, man, I I don't even know what you're talking about, this Holy Spirit thing. 
And this, this passage that I'm about to share, that's what happened. They didn't realize the Holy Spirit was there. And in my life, I had heard about the Holy Spirit, but I did not know the Holy Spirit for a majority part of my younger Christianity years. I mean, we talk about the Holy Spirit, but we just cruise through and it's like, hey, that's good information. And that was it. I didn't realize this was, in essence, a, a person that God wanted me to have involved in my life. So let's look at that passage. Acts 19, 1 through 7. So it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, so these are followers of Christ, verse 2, and it says, and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So for him, this is a straightforward question, like, I guess he was asking it all the time because this is what, what happened at this moment in time. This is where Jesus had returned to heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, where the Holy Spirit was now made available to men. But during this transition period, there were some that still had an older belief system, and there was a new gospel, a New Testament belief that was available to them. So this is what he says. He says, they said, no, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So today, if that's you, it's not too late. It's not saying, well, I never heard of it. I guess, did I miss the train? Absolutely not. You're right on time. But today, I want to make sure that you know that there is a Holy Spirit available. So he goes on to say, verse 3, it says, so Paul asked them, so what baptism did you receive? They said, John's baptism. And then he says, uh, Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, and that is in Jesus so on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. So then Paul placed his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There was something that happened that showed a release of the power of God in their life. They prophesied and they spoke with tongues. And then verse seven, and it says, and there were about 12 men in all. So this was, these were disciples. These were followers of Christ that didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, uh, Paul said, you know, I'm not going to do that. You need, you need to receive this new baptism. So he didn't leave them and say, all right, well, you didn't hear about it. All right, have a good day. He knew that they would need this infilling of this Holy Spirit that was now available. Have you guys ever done work the hard way and the easy way? How many of you have ever used post hole diggers? How many of you have ever seen a tractor PTO working with an auger? Which one would you prefer? auger every single time so for those of you who don't know an auger it's it's it runs on a gear and it digs the holes for you you don't care how deep it is you don't care how hard the ground is you don't have to water it first to soften the ground that tractor does all the heavy lifting for you that was the difference there was power available now to do things a little bit easier and still accomplish the exact same purpose but it worked a lot more efficient that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. He makes us more efficient. He releases power to do things that would have taken us forever to do. If you lined up and said, all right, Morgan, dig those five holes. Here's your post hole diggers. I'm going to go dig my five, and I'm going to go to lunch, and I'm going to come back, and you'll surely still be on the second hole. Call United. Call United. <laughs> He's going to rent a tool because there is an easier way. But that's what it's like operating without the Holy Spirit. We are not, we are not, we are not being efficient in what we're doing. We're working within our own strength. And, and Jesus has released the Holy Spirit to us to work more efficient. Let's look at John chapter 1, verse 33. 
Man, sorry I'm giving you guys so many scriptures, but I think it's, it's really important that we see this in Scripture and throughout Scripture. John 1, 33 through 34. I'll start in that verse 32 just to get into it. It says, and John gave this testimony. It says, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. So we see the same, we see that same concept, right? So this is when, you know, Jesus is baptized. He comes up out of the water and we see the Spirit in symbolism of a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. Don't, don't misinterpret that. If I ask you, hey, who is the Holy Spirit? Don't say a dove. Don't say a tool. Don't say a it. He is a person. He is not a dove, okay? So I'm sure somebody's believed that. He's a dove. He looks just like a dove. So a pastor knowing that light was shining behind his head, it looked like a dove. The Holy Spirit must have been resting on him. No, he is a person, okay? So here, here's what it says. It, go, it goes into that passage. It says, and remain on him. And then in verse 33, this gives the clarification. It says, I would not have known him except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. So God told him before this happened. It says, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the son of of God. So this is the first time you begin to see the Holy Spirit beginning to function in full capacity. Well, how did Jesus accomplish all that cool stuff here on the earth? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Can Jesus do that? Absolutely. He's God's son, right? But we see after he is baptized, all of a sudden he starts doing all these miracles. He starts preaching with more authority. Like everything changes upon that baptism, and if Jesus needed the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you think we need it? Absolutely. But it doesn't just say that. It doesn't just stop there. It says, you know, the one that you see the Holy Spirit come in and remain, what does he do? It says, it is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So it is Jesus that releases those gifts to us. And then once Jesus goes to the Father, he freely can release those gifts to us. Man, this is a great story, man. Anybody as excited as I am? I mean, this is great news. This is life-changing. Man, this is the second best thing from salvation that you'll ever get a hold of. So, so we, we see the Holy Spirit being released in Jesus' life, but what does it do? It remains. It never leaves. It never departs. So that's the next thing I want to start focusing on New Testament theology is going to point to the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that he come and he abides and he stays with us forever. He doesn't just rest because me and my wife were talking about it. She goes, well, I think some people could say if, if, we, don't, if we don't understand that he lives within us, that if God rests on us, well, maybe when we have those sinful heathen days, maybe he just took his hand off of us. And we can justify that maybe, right? That's not how it works today. He comes and he dwells within us and lives with us. There is, man is no longer without excuse saying, God, I didn't have what it takes. He says, that's okay, because I've put my Holy Spirit within you that has what it takes to accomplish whatever you are facing, whatever you do. He caused a supernatural power to be released in our life where we all of a sudden become effective to do all that God has called us to. 
And if we say we can't do it, we are diminishing the power of the Holy Spirit within us. It's okay that no, we can't do it, but the Holy Spirit can. If God does not show up and do something today, I might as well sit down. Because no power comes from my vocal cords or just me. But the power of God can be released by the word of my testimony and penetrate your hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit and your life will be forever transformed. But it's not because I'm speaking eloquently or I'm using the right words or I'm using enough scripture. None of that matters. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that convicts the world of sin, that causes us to go to righteousness, that declares that Jesus is coming back just like he said he was. And we have the victory and it's going to be okay. Our rest assurance of who God is. Better calm down and keep moving. So how can we possibly maybe title if we were going to try to communicate this, you know, the title of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So we need to see God as the creator. Now, if you're like, oh, this is, that isn't right, I'm striving the best I can to try to interpret, how, to give us some understanding of each of their roles. God, the creator, Jesus, the savior, and then I put in quotes, through whom all things are made, because that's what that scripture said, right? Through whom all things were made, and the Holy Spirit... The gift giver. Because what do we see? He releases power. He releases authority. He releases all of these supernatural gifts. They are supernatural. When I use the word supernatural, that means beyond natural means. It has to be something bigger than just me and my muscles. Right? It is supernatural. It's nothing that I can conjure up and do myself. It is only the power of the Holy Spirit being released within me. So we see before the creation of the world, God was, and God was with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person, and he desires to give us all the gifts that are available from the Father. And Father God doesn't want to withhold anything from us. That's why he sent his son. If he wanted to withhold from us, he would have never sent his son. But he says, I give you everything. I give you all authority. So we see God giving to Jesus and Jesus doing things to glorify the Father. Well, when Jesus went back to heaven, what does the Holy Spirit do? He also testifies to Father God. He also serves to glorify Jesus. Everything points upward to God, Jesus. Everything that the Holy Spirit does is to glorify the Father, just like Jesus did. Jesus glorified the Father and the Holy Spirit glorified the Son. In essence, the son would be glorifying the father. All of them are, are supported when that happens because they are all connected. There is no separation. John 14, six through seven, you guys have heard this passage. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is Jesus talking. He says, no one comes to the father except through me. In verse seven, I wanted you to focus on this a little bit. It says, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. If we've seen Jesus, we've also seen the Holy Spirit. If we've seen the Holy Spirit, we've truly seen God. They're all glimpses of exactly the same person. It's just looking at from a little bit different perspective. You're never going to see a characteristic of the Spirit that is not the exact same characteristic of God. They will always accommodate each other or they, they, will, they will present themselves in a consistent manner. 
So if you ever hear somebody saying, oh, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do this, and it's absolutely against the Word of God, better not receive that Word. We have to, we have to make sure that we, we, we test those words. We make sure that they are supporting who God is. And we'll look at that a little bit later too. Discerning of spirits, all of these things, all of these gifts that God has given us to not be fooled. Let's look at John 14, 15 through 21. Getting close to wrapping up. Sorry, a lot of content this morning. John 14, 15 through 21. I'm going to go ahead and start reading this. There's a little bit of context here, but I want, want you to get it. So verse 15 of, of chapter 14 in John, it says, If you love me, you obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and I will give you another counselor. This is the same passage that we started with, but it just covers it in full context. To be with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth. And check this part. It says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. You know the Holy Spirit. For he lives in you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will see me no, no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and that you are in me and that I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. So we see all of these, this intertwining of God, Jesus, if you know me, you know God. If you know Jesus, you know God. If you know the Holy Spirit, you know Jesus. Well, if I know you and, 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 and my, God knows you, guess what? The Holy Spirit knows you too. There's no relationship that we've built in this Christianity life that is not lateral to where God knows us, Jesus knows us, the Holy Spirit knows us. So this morning, we can't say, well, I know Jesus, but I don't know about this Holy Spirit guy. It's the same person. But the difference is he lives in us and with us. Jesus knew that he was going to have to go to sit at the right hand of God for all things to be accomplished. What does that passage say? I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to abandon you and say, good luck. I'll be back when I blow my trumpet and come back for you. No, he said, I'm going to send someone, a counselor. Someone that will help you. So if you know the Father and you believe in the Son, you also know the Holy Spirit. So He now lives with you and will be in you. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. And you guys got to know that the Old Testament always points to the New Testament. You see prophetic words that maybe you didn't understand, but when you've seen the whole picture, it makes perfect sense. This is what it says, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Verse 25, it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your, your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So let's stop right there. That is the salvation experience. He's going to sprinkle us with the blood. He's going to cause us to be pure. He's going to put a new spirit. Our spirit man will change to be just like God. We will desire the things of God. Our spirit man will completely change. He'll take our heart of stone and he'll give us a heart of flesh. That's the salvation experience. Let's go on to verse 27 because I want to paint a whole picture for you. It says, and I will put my spirit. Okay, hold on. 
I thought I already received a spirit. We've got to separate the two. We have to understand the spirit of man and the spirit of God. That there is a separation. You know, I know some people say, well, I thought when my spirit's renewed, I automatically receive the Holy Spirit. That's not necessarily true, but that is God's preferred way. He wants you to receive a renewed spirit that changes upon salvation. And he also wants to pour his spirit and get that to kind of melt together with your spirit. But look what it says right there. It says that I will and I will put my spirit referring to the Holy Spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. So that Holy Spirit causes us to act right and to do right. Because our spirit may want to do the things right and desire to do these things right because it is, in essence, the same nature of, of Christ. But it is the Holy Spirit that causes those things to happen. It fights against our flesh. It fights against our soulless nature, our mind, will, and emotions and causes it to, to respond in the obedience of Christ. It causes our spirit to be kind of like a, a spirit on steroids that now has power released in our lives. But we see that big picture when we live today and we know that Jesus Christ came and he died and that there's a Holy Spirit that is being poured out on all flesh today. We, and we understand that the Holy Spirit is a person that leads me and guides me and can talk and can be grieved and can be hurt. But loves just like Father God loves. When I'm stupid and ignorant, he still loves me. And he always draws me back to his side. I think God's God is like that. You know how many times I feel like God should just be like, away from me, you idiot. I mean, am I the only one that thinks like that? Like, it's like, God, how the heck do you still love me? I'm stupid more days than I'm not. And you said, and yet you still love me. Think about that concept because the Holy Spirit is just like God. He loves me. He pursues me. He cares about me. And the Holy Spirit does the same thing. And sometimes maybe God is far off in heaven, but guess where the Holy Spirit is? Right here. As near as my next heartbeat and the next breath that I breathe. So as we continue this series, I want you guys to be aware that the Holy Spirit is a person and he desires to give us great gifts. You know, many of us wish that we could have lived during the time of Jesus, right? You know, as he walked the earth, you know, we could, we could have asked him questions. We could have just been near to him. But what we have to realize is that as Christians, that the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus, and he knows the mind of God, and he lives inside of us. You know, sometimes, you know, if Jesus was speaking and you had, I don't know, I don't know hundreds of thousands of people around him, you wouldn't have got to ask the question you wanted necessarily, right? Glory, what's your question? Unless he called you out, right? But guess what? The Holy Spirit is inside of me, and I can ask him anything I want, and he answers me personally. That's pretty awesome. So it's just like Jesus answering my every question and make, helping me figure out the things I don't know. Absolutely. And that was, that's what makes the Holy Spirit so awesome. He's right with us. He lives right inside of us. Just to be reminded, he sees what we see. He hears what we hear. He can be angered. He can be grieved. He has the qualities of a person. We have to realize that the Holy Spirit has a mind, a will, and emotions. We'll continue to see human characteristics as we continue this study in understanding who the Holy Spirit is. These next few weeks, we're going to look at 
Um, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at the fruits of the Spirit. We're going to look at the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And hopefully we, we will get, we'll get to where we grow closer and closer to the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit really wants you to know Him and be guided by Him and led by Him. Maybe today you realize that the Holy Spirit is the part of your Christianity that's missing. Now I'm hoping most of you say, oh, no, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. But perhaps this morning you have lived your whole Christian life without one of the best gifts that God has ever given us, which is his Holy Spirit. It's super, super easy. All you have to do is ask. It's just like salvation. How hard was it to ask for salvation? Well, it was almost so easy, it was hard. Yeah, that's what happens. We, all we have to do is ask. The only prerequisite is that we have a relationship with the Father through the Son, believing that He died on the cross for our sins. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.